Welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. I'm Scott Linden. Glad you could join me. Thank you for listening. Not just today, but all those other times, no matter how you're getting it. Yeah, you can listen right at the RVTravel.com podcast page. Watch for it in your daily newsletter. Just one click and poof, you're there. Love to have you subscribe as well at Apple Podcasts. Got a great show in store for you today. I'll call it the fix-up episode. We got the dashboard drifters from internet fame joining us with a whole bunch of renovation ideas that you might want to employ in your own rig. And then we'll have Sean Lakin from Beaver Coach Sales. This guy's in the business of fixing your RVs, and he's got some advice, some warnings, some tips and suggestions for our own work, and then also for when we need to take it to somebody who probably knows a whole lot more than we do about it. I don't know about you, but it is travel season. I don't care what you read or what you hear. We are on the road a lot, and maybe you are too. We're getting ready for our almost annual trip to the Columbia River Gorge on the north side across uh, the border in Washington. I don't know. Do you have a something you do as a couple? Outdoors, the only thing we do is don't go there. <laughs> Leave your mind at least on the curb, not all the way in the gutter. Anyway, we search out pictographs and petroglyphs, rock art, you know, the primitive stuff, not the graffiti that you see, uh, you know, on the underpass downtown, the good stuff. And boy, oh boy, there is a lot of it out there. We're lucky enough here in the West to find a lot of it because we live in the arid part of the West, the Great Basin and desert and all of that. And so most of the rocks are pretty easy to access. Even back in the day, you could chip out a star man or a bighorn sheep pretty easily on some of those. And we get to see a lot of it. That's our couples thing out there. How about yourselves? Could be fishing, could be riding around on a bike or visiting national parks and taking a hike, all of the above. I hope you're getting out and doing it and uh, learning to appreciate what we have and why we have it. Uh, somebody called national parks the greatest idea the United States ever had. I think that was Teddy Roosevelt. And he would know. I think he, he signed the legislation on the first one. Anyway, get out there and do it. And if you are getting out there and doing it and looking for places to stay en route, great question in the rvtravel.com Facebook page called Budget Travel. RV Budget RV Travel is, is where you go. You can get to that pretty easily. Go to the rvtravel.com website, and then click on resources, and then just page down. Those are There's about a dozen really active Facebook pages this one came up in conversation amongst the staff about, um, you know, what's happening, for example, in Walmart parking lots where, you know, a lot of us have, have learned to rely on Walmart for uh, at least an overnight stay. But unfortunately, some folks are abusing that privilege. And uh, that was the question on the Facebook page. Uh, what should we do about it? What can we do? Why is it happening? Teresa Jean says... People can't seem to get the concept that the parking lot is for rest only. David Bennett says he's seeing a lot of 
quote, homeless, unquote, people living in very old RVs out in those kind of settings. Bill Bauer reminds us a lot of cities have passed laws and regulations banning it. Oh, and by the way, one of the bigger lobbying groups in his state is the Campground Owners Association. Yeah. Hmm. Two, two, three and a half, getting close to four. I bet so. Yeah. <laughs> Renee Litke points out something that's it's kind of a no duh, but it isn't, apparently. She says, what I don't understand is why anyone would want to stay more than overnight at a Walmart. She also reminds us we should be spending money at that Walmart and always asking permission before we park there. Yeah, well, we could go on and on about that topic. Uh, lucky enough to have alternatives in many cases. And uh, when we don't, maybe we ought to just, uh, you know, give pause to that concept a little bit more often these days when we're on the road, just to be a little bit uh, more considerate of our corporate neighbors. Quick reminder, the RV Travel Podcast is brought to you in part by Clear2O.com. You know, they're the only folks making a solid carbon block replacement filter. That's different than the granular stuff that you can, sometimes you can't even hear it when you're shaking those blue ones, for example. You take the green one, you can't hear it shaking around and it's not like a maraca. That's that thing, you know, like Ricky Ricardo used, maraca. Anyway, um, solid carbon block ensures the cleanest, purest water. Filters much smaller particles than the granules many of which have a carbon wrap, not a solid carbon block. This is the time of year to get your free shipping on orders over 100 bucks. Stock up for the season. Free shipping on orders shipped within the contiguous United States. If you haven't looked at the five-star reviews, virtually all of them are five-star reviews, go to clear2o.com. That's clear2o.com. So looking forward to this discussion. Jennifer and Kendall Jennings join me and all of you as well. They are the Dashboard Drifters. Want to learn more? Go to dashboarddrifters.com. Then I'll just tip you to another one, RV Spot Drop. We'll talk more about that in a few minutes. And believe me, it's an idea whose time has come. But Dashboard Drifters, uh, it, they're inspiring in any, any number of ways, but I'll let them tell that. Jennifer and Kendall Jennings, welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Tell me a little bit, I'm presuming Kendall's still there. <laughs> yeah. Tell me tell me a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Uh, you know, you're, you're living, you know, long-term in an RV, but that's as far as I'll go. Who wants to start the backstory for us? Um, I can, I can start it off. Um, so we, we got to where we're at a little bit, I wouldn't say completely unplanned, um, but definitely somewhat. We, um, started off, uh, like many people, um, just kind of working the, 
the, the regular grind. Um, Monday to Friday, I worked um, a lot out of town. Um, I was away from home for a few weeks at a time. Um, and so we spent uh, the majority of our relationship, um, I'd say kind of 50% together maybe and 50% um, apart, uh, which, you know, it worked for us. We made it work. We decided that we were going to buy the current RV that we had. We had previously went, uh, we had tent camping, and then we kind of upgraded to a, a small um, early 70s um, <laughs> camper that we uh, we restored. We bought it more or less as a, a shell. Um, and so we, we restored that, and we used that just kind of for uh, weekend camping mostly. It, it was quite small. It was only like 10, a little 10-footer. And then we decided to buy um, our current RV, which is a, a 30-foot travel trailer, and we had big plans. <laughs> Unfortunately, due to the, all the COVID restrictions and stuff at that time, our that plan got altered, but we had planned for it. We had saved for it, and we we came up with a plan B, which was we still left our jobs when we had intended to. So that was at the start of last summer, mm-hmm. um, because that was the, that was the biggest leap was you know quitting the job and and walking away was the toughest part. So we knew, you know, if we if we did that, then that would force us to, you know, to to come up with something like we would we would have to to move forward however we could. Um, and so we still took that that leap of faith, and um, we we kind of we came up with a plan B. We found some some property in southern BC where we spent three months, July, August, and September of last year, and we had a little bit more time to to, to hash out our, our plan to get to Mexico. In the meantime, kind of hoping that the COVID thing would, would kind of pass over and we could stick with the original plan. And as we all know now, COVID is still uh, going strong. So, um, yeah, we ended up uh, spending the summer there. And then again, just kind of made a leap of faith in in October of last year to to try to make it to our, our originally planned final destination in Mexico, and we pulled the pin October first, and here we are. And, and here we are. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, bienvenidos, uh, uh, <laughs> Jennifer. About where are you in? Without giving us the latitude and longitude, because you like it there, because we're not there. Um, where, whereabouts are you down there? So we are actually just outside of La Paz. Um, we live in, it's kind of like a, I would, I would call it a suburb, um, but it's kind of like a village outside of the main city. So La Paz is the capital city of, of Baja Shore. Um, and yeah, so we're, you know, we're two hours north of Cabo and um, it's great because you know, that international airport is right there. And then we can cross over the peninsula to Total Santos and, and La Ventana is super close. So we're in a really good spot for traveling within Baja. Is, is that one of the, because a lot of people entertain the same notion that you did, um, is, is that one of the reasons you chose that area? And what other reasons, what other things should we consider about living long-term in Mexico or anywhere else for that matter? Yeah, so I mean, Mexico is is great. I mean, we 
we drove down here with the RV and I mean, it wasn't the most amazing experience, but I mean, we didn't have any issue. Um, we didn't have any car issues. We didn't have, like, it was, it was a great experience. Um, but choosing La Paz for us, um, I mean, we really liked Baja and Cabo, like Cabo San Lucas is, is way too busy. I mean, that's where everybody goes to party and, and we knew we didn't want to be a part of that. Um, it's also really expensive. And then San Jose del Cabo, you know, we had traveled there quite extensively and we really like it there. Um, but again, it's, it's a little bit busier. Um, it's a little less authentic and it's a little bit, it's, it's more money. So, I mean, for us, La Paz worked out so well because it was so affordable. Um, and the reason it's so affordable is there isn't as many tourists here. There's no resorts on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's, there's your regular hotels, but there's no resorts. So it's more authentic. Um, you know, we live next door to, to locals. We go to the same grocery stores. You know, it's, it's real Mexico where, you know, there's still an expat community. So we still have, you know, friends from the U S and Canada that live next door to us, but we're also really mixed in with, um, with the locals. So, hablas español. <laughs> Un poco. Oh, um, bueno, we're bueno. Taking, <laughs> we're, taking, we're taking Spanish lessons. Um, but, I mean, we, we definitely, in La Paz, you, you definitely need to um, be learning Spanish or be very comfortable with Google Translate because, you know, there's restaurants, there's stores where you go and they don't speak English. That's... I mean, it's not like Cabo or Todos Santos where everybody speaks English. It's you go and you talk to, you know, the plumber or whatever tradesman and, or even in the grocery stores, I mean, you go and you're looking for something like they don't speak English. So that's part of the charm. We've been adapting. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Good. Well, um, so there you have it. Uh, Let's, let's put the, let's put the, the damper on, on living in Mexico, because what really attracted me to you two is something that Kendall, you alluded to early on. Um, and number one, I want to do too, and that is find a vintage 10 foot trailer with nothing oh. inside, but that led to all sorts of things. And, and I, I keep coming back to, you know, when you buy a house, the, the first tragic realization you have is, you're always fixing something, but you're, you are not just fixing, you are improving is, is what I'll describe. And we want to learn more about those things. So let's just start with that. What are the biggest projects you you've done recently that, that we should hear about? Um, well, the, I mean, going back to that, that, um, the vintage camper we had, we, I mean, it was something that, you know, uh, the guy had started tearing everything apart, um, you know, thinking he was going to restore it at some point and, and whether he decided he was in over his head or he ran out of time or, or money or whatever, what the case was, we, we really bought that as, as, as kind of a shell. So that one was, I would say a, a build really more than a, a remodel. Um, but again, it was very small. There's, there's no bathroom or anything in it. So it was not, uh, it was, it wasn't, over complicated um by any means and it was just intended to be a you know weekend um sure. camper so yeah. there was um you know a lot of needs there but with our, our current rv um 
we ha- we originally bought it with the intention of it kind of being a I think it's just kind of a summer kind of a cottage on wheels type thing. Um, not initially to live in full time, but that soon changed and and we did have the idea that we were going to be living in it full time. So so when we started with this one, it was like you had mentioned a lot more like doing a renovation in a house because this was going to be our home. And so we wanted to make sure that, you know, it was the way we wanted it um, and that things were done right. And I think the biggest um, project by far, we obviously, we don't have kids, wasn't very usable. You know, we didn't plan on having guests or anything stay with us. So we uh, we ripped out those, the two bunks and the, the lighting, everything that was associated with that um, kind of bunk room. Um, and turn that into an office space because since we were going to be living full time on the road, we knew we were going to be working remotely, and so we needed um, you know a space to work. Yeah, between kind of moving electrical and pulling out walls and flooring and, and adding stuff, it was it was definitely uh, quite a bit like a, a home renovation for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, but you know- Kendall also he also renovated our kitchen entirely and. I mean it. I mean, I guess it wasn't entirely, but you know, he really, really upgraded um, the kitchen as well. Well, that's. A, I'm glad you brought that up, Jennifer. By the way, you're listening to the RV Travel Podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Jennifer and Kendall Jennings are the Dashboard Drifters, and that's the right URL for you guys as well, isn't it? DashboardDrifters.com. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. So, so Jennifer, you just touched on it. I understand the office thing completely. And, and in fact, I'm, I'm looking at doing the same thing, but the kitchen, what, what was wrong and why did you want to upgrade, if you will, the, the kitchen, Jennifer? Um, yeah. So, I mean, the kitchen was just a, a regular RV kitchen. And I mean, right away, I mean, I didn't even entertain the, the sink so it had a regular RV sink, which is like two inches deep. And I mean, <laughs> I was like, no, we're not, I'm not even pretending to deal with this. This has to go. We have to put in a regular sink. Um, same with a faucet. I wanted a real faucet with um, like the extendy bit. And I like that, it was a, those were absolute musts. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're taking out the sink and you're putting in a new sink. So then all of a sudden we needed to have new counters. And I mean, um, Kendall did the, he extended the counters and, um, laminated them. And so now we have these beautiful white laminate counters and a, a residential sink and a residential faucet. Um, but I mean, it, it just, we needed to capture or to steal as much counter space as possible. Um, so, you know, putting those custom counters in did that. Um, and then the other thing we put in was the peel and stick backsplash. And that was really just, you know, to, to make it feel kind of homey and, but yeah, the, the sink was an absolute must. I refused to, to have an RV sink. Like that's not, that's yeah, not real. I, I, I get it completely. And, and in fact, we're seeing more and more of that coming out of the factory when they do come out at all. Um, I'm curious, two things. First off, um, I want to talk to you about other stuff that that makes an RV a home, more home-like experience. And then, but first, Kendall, why didn't you just go to Ikea and get uh, a new cabinet there? Um, I actually um, had worked um, pretty much until I came to Alberta. When I, when I moved to Alberta, I switched careers. But 
Uh, previous to that, I had worked um, for uh, like approximately 10 years um, in the cabinet making, uh-huh. countertop, yeah. um, kind of industrial commercial millwork industry. Um, so it was something that, that I enjoy doing and that I was capable of doing and, and make it happen. Um, and we, you know, we, we wanted to try and do things again, since it was going to be our home, we wanted to do as much of the work as we could ourselves and do it, you know, as cost effective, um, as we could. And so again, having those, those skills, you know, that was kind of one, one area where many people may not be able to save that money that, that we were able to. Yeah. Jennifer, how about this whole idea? Because we're, we're all over this, uh, in our newer RV, and that is, you know, ter- changing it from an RV to more of an extension of our real home, our stick and brick home. Uh, how else are you doing that? Um, I mean, we we painted, we painted everything. Well, we painted all the walls. We didn't paint the cabinets or anything like that, but we painted all the walls. Um, you know, I think it really just comes down to, like, once you kind of strip away I I mean for us and for this RV in particular like we took a family unit and we made it into a couple's trailer and I mean we have some stuff up on the walls and it's just it's become a home just through that um I mean it's it's still obviously an RV but you just have to you kind of have to just take away the things that make it look like an RV like I mean the the, uh, the the stickers that they have on stuff like you have to take those down and I don't know it just it becomes we painted the lights um I mean we don't have super high ceilings we don't have a fifth wheel or anything like that so we just we did what we could but I mean it definitely feels way homier than just a regular RV I think when you're hanging stuff on the walls your your rig is fairly permanent down there near La Paz but uh are you hanging what what are you using to hang things from the walls this is a question that comes up once a week somewhere um so we have those command hooks for a couple of things or not the hooks actually just the command like stickies yeah um so we have a couple of pictures that we've hung with those and then honestly for like smaller lightweight items i just take a finishing nail and i just hammer it into the wall <laughs> I mean, just like us yeah well that's, that's how great. i roll yeah. I'm just like, oh, i don't need a screw i'm just putting a nail in and it'll probably be fine and you know what i haven't had any issues so i mean that's, i love it that's what uh, I do. well we're going to yeah. get a little I mean, deep when you travel you have to yeah. take stuff down yes okay so we're, we're, we're going to create a storage area for the stuff that's on the walls just so that we they're not falling off, falling off en route. Got it. Yeah, exactly. We're going to get deeper into this, and then we're going to talk about a few other things, especially people who are looking for long-term places to park. We've got some great news for you on that as well. So stick around. Jennifer and Kendall Jennings, the Dashboard Drifters, will be back in just a moment. But first, I'm going to remind you, if you're interested in figuring out who makes what, there's no better place to go than rvtravel.com slash who makes what. When you see that logo on the back of a rig or you're parked next to somebody and you don't know them quite yet, you want to find out who actually built that RV. Brand new, up-to-date, 
73-page report from RVTravel.com of every U.S. RV manufacturer and the makes and models of each brand they make. And you know how confusing that can be. Just click there, RVTravel.com, who makes what? I'll put the slash in there. It's free. Yeah, you heard me right. It is free. RVTravel.com, who makes what? And that's my cue to welcome back Jennifer and Kendall Jennings, the Dashboard Drifters. Um, orale, compadres. Uh, are you still there? Me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not showing up because showing off, that's, that's the extent of my vocabulary right there. Um, you know, a lot of people entertain the notion of what what you are doing, you know, what you've wanted to do for a while. And and so I want to just talk a little bit about uh, some of the more important aspects of basically driving away from all of that, no matter where you end up parking and for how long. What was the, you know, what was the real motivation there? Um. I think the main one um, for us was was putting a value on our time. Um, we, again, as we had mentioned, I mean, the, the line of work that we were in was, I mean, we worked a lot of hours um, and in our, in our case, away from each other. Um, and And so when we, you know, when we sat back and we thought about, you know the the money that you're making for that time is is great, but you know how do you how do you put a value or how do you compare that that amount to um, how you would value your time? And and for us, we just knew. I mean, we were a, a fairly newly married couple, um, and so we have many many years <laughs> ahead of us. And you know, we wanted to make sure that you know, we weren't 55 years old and, and waiting to retire and, and thinking about, okay, now finally we can, we can start, you know, spending more time together or spending time doing the things we wanted to. Um, I think that was the biggest thing for us was, was kind of putting a, an honest value on, on our time and, uh, and our, our priorities. Well, you know, all of that, I, I get it all. I understand completely. And, and some of us could do it now. Some of us would have to plan. And it's not like you just did it on the spur of the moment. You did plan extensively, did all sorts of things well in advance, both from a financial standpoint and then from a practical standpoint. Um, but the idea of living in it, let's just pretend it's 300 square feet uh, uh, RV for, for, you know, more than a, you know, a week or two at a time does tend to grade on everybody at one point or, the, or another. How do, how do you two get, you know, get, how do you get along so well? Uh, we'll get back to the making it homey part, but what do you do to manage your, uh, what I'll just loosely call it your dynamic in a little space like that. Jennifer? I mean, we, I feel like because we've spent so much time apart, like, I mean, we spent, um, so before we, before we left in the RV, we had been together like, 
let's say five years and we had spent three months together on the same schedule in the same city out of five years. So, I mean, we were definitely very used to being on our own. I mean, Kendall used to leave for work for two weeks, three weeks at a time. So I got used to spending a lot of time on my own. Um, and I mean, when we first moved into the RV, obviously things were like pretty stressful. I would say we, you know, we, we left our home, we were in an RV, there's growing pains, but now what I think really makes the difference is like we're, we're semi-permanent here in Mexico basically. So we have a structure over top of our RV. You know, we have doubled our RV space because we have an outdoor kitchen. We have an outdoor living room. We have, um, basically, uh, I call it my yoga studio, you know, and my garden. So we have a lot of extra like outdoor space. Um, but I mean, I think that just, it's becoming, you just have to balance the time that you spend together and, and take that time by yourself. Like, you know, I can be back in the office and, and Kendall can be on the couch and we're doing two separate things. And, you know, you're having that time by yourself or, you know, one person's outside and one person's inside, but you just kind of have to take time to be alone um, and, and, and find other things to do that you're interested in. I mean, one of the main motivators for us, you know, was, was putting a value on our time, but also, you know, having more time to do those things that you like to do, like, you know, Kendall can go fishing in the middle of the day or, um, you know, doing different art projects or, or gardening. Like some days I just accidentally garden all day, but you, you just have to find those passions or those hobbies that you have and, and definitely, I think, take time to, to be separate. Every day you don't have to be together all day. Uh, I love it. And, and, and folks, you're listening to the RV Travel podcast where you probably for the first time ever heard the term accidental gardening, which, uh, uh -huh. which ought to be your next book, Jennifer, by the way. Um, that's Jennifer Jennings. He, the other one on the, on the right speaker is Kendall Jennings. They're the dashboard drifters, uh, learn more about them at dashboarddrifters.com. Lots of insights, lots of great, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll call it beyond the practical, uh, aspect, uh, of, of long-term RV living. Uh, but Jennifer Kendall, I want you to take a moment not too long because I don't want a whole bunch of dead air here, but look around from where you are and, and tell us about some of the other kind of fixer upper projects you've done and, and, and extend it beyond the interior if you need to. But what are the other things that, that really improve your quality of life that you've done to that travel trailer? I wouldn't say it's limited to people who are, are um, more permanent, but it's definitely more um, doable, I think, is we we didn't re replace our RV air conditioner. We still have it, but we installed a um, a residential style mini split air conditioner, um, and that's been night and day. Especially being here in Mexico, obviously it's extremely warm, um, and the RV air conditioners are not very efficient to say the least when you're running it. You know, it's one thing if you're running it for a hot weekend, but when you're when you're running it every day, kind of year round, um, it also is very noisy. <laughs> it, oh yeah, it became yeah. very listening to it all day, um, and so that, like I said, that one was a game changer for us. Um, installing that again, maybe it's not so doable for someone who's going to be be moving all the time, but 
that was a huge one for us. And I think the the outdoor space, um, you had kind of talked about how you're kind of in this 300-square-foot um, area. And the reality is, I mean, if you were stuck in here all the time, you, you probably would go a little crazy after a while. And so that, that outdoor space is, is really important. And we spent a lot of time and effort um, making ourselves uh, an outdoor kitchen. Um, so we kind of have that that separate space. We pretty much do all of our cooking outside. So, I mean, that was just as simple as, you know, we brought our, our, um, our grill here with us. You know, we installed some nice um, colored um, paver stones just to kind of make a kind of an outdoor kitchen um, floor. We installed a little Mexican style painted sink outside. Um, and that, that that's was really big too was is kind of upgrading that that outdoor space so it basically doubles our our, our square footage and and those are great and practical uh quote solutions unquote uh to uh, both functional and aesthetic situations jennifer can you add anything else to those and and i don't you know i don't know what else in my own mind but what else did you do out there that would be, you know, something we could do? Um, so we, you know, we, uh, well, actually, I did a couple of, um, like, graphic, I guess, or, like, geometric patterns on the on the wall. So um, in the back office, we have a, a large, like, terracotta circle. And, you know, for, I guess, before we came to Mexico, that was really, like, symbolic of, of like sun and you know we're, we're sun chasers and then you know in the in our bedroom we we did kind of a graphic or a geometric pattern um for the headboard and you know painted that a really nice green color because i'm really obsessed with plants and it that that's really what the color was and then in our entertainment area so i mean in most rvs especially in travel trailers you come in there's kind of like that entertainment um, section that kind of blocks off the bedroom from the rest of the RV and you know usually you can get around it on, on two sides to get to the to the bedroom so we recently um, painted the back of that so we don't have a TV in the RV actually um, but that backboard you know we have a couple of pictures and we use that shelf as kind of a mantle so we, we just painted it from the it was a dark brown um, the wood color and now it's white so I mean that just kind of brightens it up but I mean, the other thing that we did was in the bathroom, we did um, put in a, a new counter. We actually left the RV sink. Um, at the end of the day, putting in a bigger sink wasn't going to add anything. You know, you're really just in there. Your bathroom in an RV isn't anywhere you're going to be having a spa day. Like, you're not going to spend a, a bunch of time in there. So it, it, it is function and you know, we, we got a little bit more counter space. We put in a real faucet. Again, the faucet situation in the RVs is, is, uh, I don't know what they, you just can't, I can't, I couldn't live with, with the bathroom or, or with yeah. the bathroom yeah. or the bathroom faucet the way it is. Um, but I mean, overall, I feel like we didn't do anything too dramatic. Like, I mean, we've removed the bunks and, and we just actually recently removed the dinette, um, to put in a, another office space so now it it feels much bigger now that we don't have a dinette but 
Oh yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, by the way, everybody go to dashboarddrifters.com and then just click on the, our home on wheels and see some before and after pictures. And, and, and like you said, Jennifer, uh, some of these things are pretty, pretty basic, but they have changed the entire flavor of the rig. That first, uh, what I presume is your bedroom, uh, looks like it could be in a fashion magazine. It doesn't look like it's in a travel trailer. And there's touches like that throughout that uh, a lot of people will get some great ideas from. And it, sometimes it's really simple. Uh, I'm looking at a, a, a shot here of just the right kind of pillows in the right place. And, uh, and then, yes, removing the dinette and putting in something else, that makes all sorts of sense. But quite often it is pretty simple stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really just about the basics to to change, you know, white walls maybe aren't super practical. You do have to clean them all the time, but they really brighten things up and, and make it, you know, yeah. feel bigger. Yeah, well, not, not at this uh, bird dog owning household. No white walls for yeah. me. Um, you know, let's, 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 let's touch just briefly on the idea of traveling to and living in Mexico because you hear all the horror stories, but, uh, you know, what was your experience in number one, crossing the border, getting down there and then becoming, uh, at least a serious part-time resident. Any, any issues there? Um, we actually had a, a really, um, a really good, really smooth, um, trip down here, I would say as, as ideal, um, as possible, really. Um, I attribute that to a lot of planning. Um, mm -hmm. we didn't just, you know, hop in and, and take off. So whether that was planning, you know, for the, you know, our, the tow vehicle and for the trailer and, and being extremely diligent, you know, about, you know, stopping and, and doing our checks and stuff. We had our, our route planned, like we knew where we were stopping. We knew where there was gas. Um, I mean, we were, were really, um, we were really well prepared. Um, you know, that being said, there, there could obviously still be, um, issues that arise. And I felt like even that, you know, we were prepared should we have had, um, anything happen. Um, we were familiar with Mexico. I mean, we, we had been coming down, um, for a while. We, we didn't have extensive experience um you know outside of kind of the tourist areas and resorts but we did the last couple years coming down um kind of move away from the resorts and stuff like that and and spent some time in mexico mexico yeah, um, yeah. and so there was no real culture shock i mean you know when we came down we kind of knew what we were were getting into um and the other big thing is, you know, as with the renovations and anything goes, is is all the online sources of, of information and the travel groups. There's, I mean, there's lots of RV Mexico groups. You know, there's obviously there's been thousands of people that have done it before us, right? We're not, you know, we didn't do anything new here. So, um, you know, we were really active, you know, online and in all those groups and, and talking to people and, again, just kind of planning um, as much as we could and, and knowing what to to expect and and what not to expect. I mean, you know, we we mm -hmm. we knew what 
Mexico was when we sure. when we came. Well, we we hear all the horror stories. Uh, Jennifer, um, have you had you two had any experience with uh, the security question or a crime or any of those other things we see in the headlines all the time? Um, I mean, it's definitely something that you know we we're we never we were aware of the risks. Um, I mean, Baja for the most part is you know, people say it's an extension of California. It's 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 very different from mainland, I would say. Um, but I mean, as far as you know, security. Like I, you know, we spent three days driving down the Baja, and you know, I never felt unsafe. Um, I, you know, the flip side, like of course, it, it makes you know headlines when there's something bad happens, but they don't talk about the good things. Where if you get a flat tire you know, the next person who passes is going to stop and help you. Um, if you run out of gas, like somebody has a, a, a jerry tank or jerry can and is going to help you. Um, so, I mean, the people here are, are so friendly and so inviting and so helpful that, you know, that's definitely something I haven't worried about. Um, you know, but, you, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't find it unsafe and really like you know of course there's always questions about the cartel and you know people are getting and shot and, and whatever but I feel like if you're not involved in that life um, and you don't have any reason for them to bother you then they're they're not going to bother you um, especially in Baja uh, I think that there isn't a huge huge cartel presence but I mean I've, I've never felt unsafe here um there's certain things that you you don't do like you know it's really unadvisable to drive at nighttime but it's not because you're necessarily going to get your car jacked but you might hit a cow um or another vehicle with no lights on because it's very different driving here but yeah i mean overall i've, I've never felt unsafe and i think that i think mexico kind of gets a bad rap for that you don't you don't see any graft or corruption or anything. You're not greasing the palms of everybody who supplies you with electricity, water, and uh, and propane, for example. Well, I mean, you have to come down here, and you know, you you hear about it. You get the I. It's like the well, what was the term? There's like tribe knowledge that once you get down here, you kind of learn things, and you know, um, you know the when you go through the the border or you go through the border and there's security checkpoints, like military checkpoints along the highway and, and whatever. I think we stopped at like seven military checkpoints. We didn't have any issues. You know, one thing that you can do is you can have a cooler full of Coca-Cola and you can offer it to the, the military guys. And, you know, they're standing outside in the heat and it's a, it's a nice offering. But, I mean, um, we definitely make a point of not paying um, bribes. So, obviously, that's, you know, that's a thing down here is you get pulled over um, and you can bribe the cop to not get a ticket or you can pay your ticket. And I mean, we got pulled over once um, and we just told the guy, like, just give us the ticket. We had, it was Friday. We had to go back on Monday. It was, it was a bit of a process. I mean, their paperwork system is, is kind of a disaster, but I mean, we did the right thing and we didn't pay that bribe. I mean, the guy, actually, the cop never even really gave us the opportunity to offer that, but oh. it happens. Um, we don't participate in it. I mean, we, uh, I think it's like the 21st of December, all of the police in the neighborhood come around. 
Um, they ask for donations. You know, you can give donations to the paramedics, to the fire department, whatever. Um, and we participated in that. I mean, that's a great thing. I would rather pay, um, you know, give a donation at Christmas time. And I know that they're going to call or they're going to come if somebody in our neighborhood calls. Um, I don't really feel like that's unethical. Sure. I mean, it's, no, I, I get that completely. Of, yeah. It's common. Well, it's good. To, um, good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very, I, I feel it's safe. You're not going to be necessarily super, you're not going to be extorted. I mean, there's definitely gringo prices, but it's not, it's not this crazy place that the media makes it out to be. Got it. You're listening to the RV travel podcast. I'm Scott Linden, the host that's Jennifer and Kendall Jennings. They're the dashboard drifters. You know, you drift around so much, you learn a lot about all the challenges that we're facing, whether it's down there or in the States or in Canada or almost anywhere else. I've been waiting for somebody to come up with this for a while. Uh, Jennifer, would you please explain what RV spot drop is and how we learn more? Yeah, so RV spot drop um, is a brand new service that actually we just launched at the beginning of May. Um, and what we do is we connect RVers, primarily full-timers, but also weekend warriors, with RV parks, RV campgrounds, RV resorts across the U.S. and Canada who have availability. Um, so like I was saying before we got started, when, when the pandemic first happened, there were hundreds of RVers who were displaced and who were scrambling to find RV spots. I mean, we were in this. We were in the mix of it, trying to find a spot to go. Um, and you know, you spend hours on the phone calling RV parks and and getting told no availability and no, they don't have a spot. So we created this service, RV Spot Drop. Um, and basically, what happens is you fill out a profile and you you let us know where you want to go camping or where you want to move to, when you want to be there. Um, and our partner campgrounds. So. We have partner campgrounds across the U.S. and Canada. We bring on more campgrounds every day. They let us know when they have availability or they have a cancellation. Um, and then you get an alert in your inbox saying, hey, there's an amazing campground with that matches your dates available. Book it right now. Sounds a little bit like um, um, yeah, Priceline or one of, the, one of the hotel booking services of one sort or another. How's it working so far? Exactly. Um, I mean, we're we're just still ramping up, but it is um, it is working so far. I mean, we're we brought on you know numerous campgrounds across the country, and and people are really excited. Um, you know, it's it's just it's a really it's real. I like I spend the most time, obviously, um, you know, calling campgrounds and connecting with them, and and bringing them on as partners. And it's really nice to to connect with people and, and understand you know, the struggles that they faced, especially over the last year and, and owning an RV park and, and, you know, listening to, to, to their experiences and, and how we can help. And, um, I mean, it's just, I think it's a service that's needed. Um, there's more and more and more camp or RVers that are, you know, there's a short, there's basically like a shortage of RVs, but there's not brand new campgrounds. They're, they're, in fact, they're closing. So, you know, we need to to we need a way to um, to help people and to close that gap. 
Well, good luck on that one. I think that's a service. And, and we'll put a link, of course, to all of these in the rvtravel.com uh, podcast page where you will be able to listen to this as well, of course. All sorts of stuff there, uh, just getting warmed up. We haven't even talked about the two dogs. I think we're going to probably have to put that off till our next visit together. In the meantime, buena suerte, good luck, and thank you, Kendall and Jennifer Jennings, the Dashboard Drifters, for being a part of the RV Travel Podcast. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you very much. We got maintenance tips and tricks coming up here on the RV Travel Podcast. First, let me remind you that speaking of hot, one of the ways to cool down is, of course, that RV air conditioner on the top or on the side of your rig. As Kendall aptly pointed out, you know, the way they are configured from the factory may or may not work for you. One thing that might be in the cards for you is the Soft Start RV. Learn more about them at softstartrv.com slash stay cool. This is a gizmo, about six by four, a couple inches deep that you simply attach to your current RV air conditioner so that you can use less power from weaker sources, if you will, whether it's, uh, you know, household current or running on 30 amp power when you, uh, when you need to, or from a generator that may not be as hefty as you wish it had been when you bought it. All those problems are solved. If you want to get some of the more graphic examples, go to softstartrv.com slash stay cool and watch Mike Sokol's video. It is so clear from the data that uh, you will uh, you will probably be convinced almost immediately. Watch the video, take a look at the graphs, and then go to softstartrv.com for some great sale pricing and some other incentives as well. Might save yourself a few bucks. We're also brought to you by, hey, the rvtravel.com podcast insider newsletter. You want to find out what's going on here a couple days in advance of everybody else, including a link to listen to the podcast sooner than everybody else. Sign up at rvtravel.com slash subscribe. That's rvtravel.com slash subscribe. And we're back here at the RV Travel Podcast. Been following this organization for quite a while, quite a while. And glad to have Sean Lakin with me. He's the operations manager at Beaver Coach Sales and Service. I'll never forget the first million dollar RV I ever toured was a Beaver Coach. Sean, welcome to the RV Travel Podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. You're probably still neck deep in fixing stuff over there. I imagine if anybody is busy, it's you guys. Uh, what's keeping you guys? uh hopping in the service department over there oh geez we here at beaver coach sales we do a lot of unit prep which is the primary function of most service centers um what we do um to a greater degree than most service centers is customer pay work um uh, there are a lot of of sales facilities out 
in the world that have a service center hooked to them. But really, the only reason they exist is to get vehicles across the curb. Ours, on the other hand, we consider a profit center. So we run about 60 to 65 percent outside work, customer pay work, as opposed to uh, interior unit prep. So it's kind of something that's unique to us and we're pretty proud of and, and it really helps drive our sales as well. Oh, I believe it. And, 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 you know, that's an interesting distinction right there, because what that means is people come to you voluntarily and, uh, and it, it's it, unlike in many places where they have no choice. What kind of uh, projects are you guys spending most of your time on? Is there a trend there? I'd say that it different different areas, different departments are kind of keyed in on different things. We have uh, a couple guys in here that primarily uh, they are doing audiovisual upgrades. Uh, they have a, a remote control that they install where you can run basically all the systems in the coach off one remote instead of having, you know, five or six or sometimes even 10 remote controls, <laughs> which is kind of convenient. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. Wow. <laughs> yeah, bo uh, body, body work. So collision repair uh, is something that uh, keeps us pretty busy year round, not just in the in the wintertime. It's usually... Uh, you know, accidents, slip and slides, stuff like that. And then in uh, in the spring and summertime, it's, you know, animal collisions or, you know, the routine, you know, hooking up with one of those cool little metal pipes at the gas station or whatever the case may be. It, it, have we talked about that? Or are you just rubbing it in? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, go, I think everybody's got a badge for that one. Oh yeah, I tape I tape our business cards to those poles at all the local gas stations. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let, let's get down to the mundane stuff because I know it's not exciting. You'd rather see them scrape uh, most of an RV off of a flatbed, like when I used to repair wrecked airplanes. You know, uh, we we want just the 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 pieces and we want to put them back together right. But most of the time, it's it's more prosaic than that. What what are you know what are the things that we sh we should do when we're coming in to have the oh the bearings uh re greased or all the how do what's the best way for us to make sure that we have a good experience at a repair shop well, I think for one, you know, just bear in mind the time of the season. Uh, I know that everybody has these big expensive toys and they want to use them right now and when things go down it can be very frustrating. I think patience is probably going to be your biggest ally. Uh, make sure that if you're going to book a, an appointment for something routine, try to do so well in advance. I mean, in advance of what you think is well in advance, you know, the, as much as 30, 60, 90 days, depending. And it's not just our facility. That's pretty much facilities in our area and across the board. That's about how far they're booked out. Um, there's a lot of pent-up demand because of, uh, you know, the COVID uh, situation, everybody getting kind of locked up in cabin fever. And I think everybody wants to get out now and use their stuff. So now there's an even added demand on top of that. But I'd say, uh, you know, just be patient, book your appointment as far out as, as you can. And then there's some things, you know, that you can do preventative, uh, preventative maintenance wise to ensure that you don't need guys like me uh, down the road, you know, like uh, routine maintenance and under chassis inspections, you know, just give your coach a good once over on the roof. Uh, water intrusion is probably the biggest killer of recreational vehicles. Once uh, you've gotten to the point where you have that dry rot or, you know, black mold and things like that that are growing in the walls in the installation, then you're talking about 
very large and extensive repairs, you can preempt that by making sure you get up on your roof periodically and checking all the seams, make sure there's no rips in the roof material, things of that nature. Hey, help me with that one because I was just up there washing and uh, and doing the same thing. And, and I'm so paranoid about this kind of stuff. What is the what is the conventional wisdom on walking on most RV roofs? Bad idea, or uh, is it safe in most cases? I mean, I'm a big guy. I'm in excess of 200 pounds, and I walk up on the roof all the time. Um, there's no reason not to walk on the roofs. Um, the worst thing that you're going to do is leave a footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, that it it's it's great to get up there periodically and inspect it. You're going to do yourself a huge disservice if you if you're not at least taking a good hard look at it once a year. Yeah. With yeah with the rubber membranes, you know, if you catch a tree branch or something like that, it, it can peel them back. You don't even know it's happening, and then you get snow on top of it, and pretty soon. Um, you know, that substrate is, is damaged. And so you can avoid all that by inspecting it. The fiberglass roofs, sometimes, you know, you can get, you can get hail, things like that can cause, uh, stress cracks and, and fiberglass in and of itself is not, uh, watertight. When they spray the gel coat over the top of it, it creates a membrane and that, that's what actually keeps the water out. So if you, even if you get a crack in fiberglass in the uh, gel coat material, water will still seep through. Wow. Good to know that. Let's get back to that rubber roof because it's a pet peeve of mine. Is there any way, besides keeping it clean with the right cleaner and all of that, is there uh, any way we can extend the life of that thing? Oh, definitely. I mean, like you said, use the proper cleaners. Um, it, it's kind of like a, like a tire, you know, the UV uh, light is what breaks down uh, the rubber roof material. And that's why the rubber roof material is white. So it can reflect the vast majority of that and, and it can you know stay pliable as long as humanly possible. Uh, going up and inspecting the, the roof sealer. And there are very specific sealers for rubber roofs and, uh, as, and fiberglass roofs. The, the rubber roof material, you don't necessarily want to use on a fiberglass roof, but it probably won't cause any damage. But the stuff you can use on a fiberglass roof can actually damage uh, the rubber uh, roof material and make it very hard to remove. Um, probably every uh, two, three, four years, depending on the product that you use, that material can be overlaid. Uh, one time and then after it's been overlaid it has to be removed and then completely reapplied yipes what about the um you know the the biggest uh, the biggest challenge we hear about at rvtravel.com is uh black tank issues um what do you what do you guys get called in to fix more often than not when it comes to the whole black tank question well typically we have three black tank issues. One of them is the smell is usually a, a big complaint. Uh, the other is erroneous tank readings, you know, so, saying it's full when it's empty or some other degree of, of you know, being mm-hmm. filled. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other would be uh, obstructions that would cause them not to drain. And usually the obstructions that'll cause them not to drain would be something like somebody left the coach parked for a long period of time. Uh, with a full tank and then all of the water evaporated out of the tank and now you're left with a solid mass. Yeah. Uh, the other uh, is a mounded tank and that is basically where somebody's left the valve open and like stayed in a park for an extended period of time mm-hmm. and, and left the valve open and so the water flushes away but the solids stay and then uh, they become uh, impacted. 
And so then really the only solution is you have to resaturate that stuff with water. There are some chemicals you can add. There's some biological agents that'll help break it down. And, and then motion, you know, we'll fill a tank to about halfway, throw some trisodium phosphate or some other chemical in there, and then go take it for an extended drive on a windy road. And that agitation breaks the material up. And it may take you two or three attempts before you finally get it all out. Wow. But that's that's kind of the process you know the the windy road part seems to be everybody's solution what you know a lot of people just tell you to throw ice cubes in there does that really help or is that just an old wives tale uh i've heard of people using ice cubes i mean the premise makes sense that you have something in there that's solid that's kind of beating back and forth against the inside of the tank mm -hmm. but i kind of i kind of wonder how long it really stays you know ice once you throw it into a room temperature black tank yeah and yeah. how much would it take and there are systems out there too like if you have like a, a macerating toilet uh or something of that nature or a vacuum flush toilet uh, if you have a straight down drop into the black tank, if you can push on the pedal valve and you can hear the echo of the water running in there, then yeah, you could put uh, quite a bit of ice down in it and be fairly effective. But if you have a macerator or a vacuum flush, you may damage the toilet. Wow. Well, good to know. And why is that? Well, they have like uh, like a macerating toilet has a little stainless steel impeller in it. It's mm -hmm. like, kind of like what's in a boat. Mm -hmm. And so it actually grinds up the the waste and and you know instead of it going in as a solid it's more of a, a semi-liquid and then it's a little bit easier to like those toilets are typically not right over the top of the tank uh -huh. they're trying to move the waste from one area of the coach where there's not uh, a receptacle to another you know you may have a toilet that's midship and one that's at the rear and a single black tank that's in the middle and yeah. so you're pump you're basically pumping the waste got it and by the way macerating toilet would be a great name for a metal band Oh yeah, that would uh, be great. <laughs> well, we, we could talk all day, but I only have time for one more important question, and that is, what is the dumbest thing we do when it comes to uh, maintenance of our RV? Oh man, that's I take so many, probably on the order of dozens of phone calls a day, and I wouldn't even say it's dumb. It's just uh, probably misinformed would be a better a better word. Is when you plug in your motorhome or your large RV to a, the same outlet that you plug your Christmas lights into, you are inherently going to have problems. You may have gotten away with it at one point. Your neighbor or buddy might have gotten away with it for a long time, but you're going to have issues. You're going to have blown breakers, trip GFIs. You're going to have issues with uh, voltage or battery charge at the coach because every time that you step that cord down, if you have a 50-amp cord and you're going from 50 to 30 and 30 to 20, you're you're increasing the resistance. And then if you throw in, you know, your standard, uh, you know, 14-gauge extension cord that you get at Home Depot, now all of a sudden you have a tremendous amount of resistance. Resistance equals heat, and that's how things get get melted. So the, the best advice I could give is, you know, if you have a 30-amp cord on your coach, mm -hmm. that coach was meant to be plugged in to a 30 amp service if you have a 50 amp service it was meant to be again plugged into 50 amps so if you don't have that at your house it's worth the extra money to have the electrician come out and install it it'll save you a lot of heartache down the road oh that is golden advice sean lakin is the operations manager at beaver coach sales and service in bend oregon you can find them online as well our good friends over there and have been helpful in many many situations over the years sean we'll do this again sometime and until then thanks for being a part of the rv travel podcast oh yeah no problem thanks for having me 
And with that, I'm going to turn you loose. Go on about your business, as they say. Maybe it's getting ready for your next trip. Maybe you're on that trip right now. If you are, look out. Drive carefully, of course, and enjoy the hell out of wherever you're going. I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your comments on uh, the Facebook pages that we all do. And, of course, you can always leave a message at the rvtravel.com podcast page. Love to talk with you there. Thanks to Sean Lakin. Thanks to Jennifer and Kendall Jennings. Sure appreciate your attention. I'll leave you with this. Yet another great bumper sticker, or it ought to be. RVing families are like pecan pie. Sweet, but with plenty of nuts. Yeah, we all fit that description once in a while. I'm Scott Linden, your host. Thanks so much for joining me. See you down the road.